Soundstrap. I'm feeling very stressed out lately. Really? You never sound stressed to me. I'm not even sure what that would look like. All right, fine. You're right, I'm not. But a lot of people are, and I just want to help them out. We all want to help them out. And the people we are referring to are you out there, the lawyer people. Ooh, lawyer people. Sounds ominous. (laughs) But seriously, being a lawyer is a hard gig. At least that's what they tell me. The hours are absurd, the workload never-ending, and the pressure is immense. Well, I could read them a soothing bedtime story. Later, Joe. Later. How about we put on our Birkenstocks, burn some incense, and play some very zen music? How about we don't? (laughs) Okay, fine. We don't have to do that if it isn't your jam. But in today's episode, we will talk about different ways to find balance in a very demanding profession. Welcome back to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the podcast about the real life of lawyering. I'm Laura. I'm joined here in the studio by Joe. Hi, Laura. In light of concerns over the COVID-19 pandemic, Andy and Allie have decided to do the smart thing and record from home. Hi, Allie. Hello. And hello, Andy. Howdy. Meanwhile, Joe and I have constructed elaborate plastic bubbles here in the studio. Or maybe (laughs) we're just sitting very far away from each other. They'll never know. (laughs) On today's episode, we're covering a different type of ailment that far too many lawyers encounter, burnout. But before we move on to our main segment, Allie has a few tips for us regarding coronavirus. Right, Allie? I do. Like everyone, we are thinking about coronavirus. So we thought we'd start this episode by talking about how it is affecting lawyers, particularly small and solo attorneys, who are wondering about how to make it through the next few weeks or potentially months with those concerns wreaking havoc on day-to-day business operations. But first, just to be sure, do you all have enough toilet paper? <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were going to call me out on this. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's apparently the first thing to get sold out at any time there's an emergency. And I, I don't really fully understand this obsession with toilet paper, this need to get all of the toilet paper. But it know. exists. So do if you own a law firm, do you also need to make sure that you like have enough toilet paper for your practice? Well, sure. That yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. <laughs> when you were practicing, did you just go to Target and buy yourself yep. or did you have like the office supply company deliver stuff to you? No. Nope. Oh, we wow. went out and bought our own stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Costco membership. <laughs> I can say do not go to Costco um, if you can <laughs> avoid it. I went last night and I, I never want to leave the house again. So... <laughs> Well, you shouldn't, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. A, a little bit more seriously, though, I, you know, large and international firms have already started closing. You know, law schools are remote. Uh, all the top-tier schools are out for the year, um, or at least they're remote for the year. So, you know, they're taking it seriously. So, you know, what are some of the ways that, that smaller firms like the ones that you had are preparing for this? Well, I mean, I think like everybody else the biggest change or which is sad that it's it's a change because it should just be happening people but good hygiene practices um you know keeping your distance washing your hands hand washing obviously being and avoiding touching your face is you know some of the best ways to protect yourself obviously it's airborne as well um i think all of us are realizing how much we really really like to touch our faces um this Social distancing, truth. not as much of an issue. Um, that's like a Friday night. So 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) For for smaller brick and mortar firms, you know, I think some are reluctant to make too many drastic changes. Um, But again, taking those precautions just generally as a human on this planet that we should be, which is being careful, interacting with each other when we know this is um, out there. So what about handshakes? You know, are are handshakes a thing of the past now, do you think? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question. I think... Um, I think right now they are out the door. Uh, I think clients understand that. Obviously, they want us to respect that. And while some people are thinking it's hysteria and some people are taking it seriously, I think you just err on the side of caution to make sure that you're you're not reaching out your hand. Uh, you could make a joke. You can greet them in different ways, explain your reasons. You know that you're trying to be careful of both people. Um, Laura, I think you've come up with some creative, uncovered some creative ways to, <laughs> I, to give a greeting when you can I was do talking about this earlier today yes um i'm a big fan of the air high five (laughs) (laughs) because you can do it from six feet away or you can do it you know right up close it gets a good laugh um uh what else let's see you could you could tip your hat of course that means you have to be wearing a hat all the time (laughs) but for me i would just enjoy feeling like like an old-timey pi so that could be there could be something fun there um yeah and then, of course, there's the classic um, "Live long and prosper" from Star Trek. You can throw up the Spock hand oh, signal yes. Yes. for the for the nerds of us out there. <laughs> I will start doing that immediately. <laughs> what about the the Namaste? Has anybody started doing the Namaste? I suppose you could, or you could salute. I hear it's trending. Yeah, I mean that kind of seems to be the thing now. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've never done it before. I think <laughs> I think I would I would have a hard time. Walking up to a client. I'm not really sure if you'd day. pull it off. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think I would. I think I think just a, a nice uh, greeting will be enough and just say, mm-hmm. you know, if they reach out their hand, just say, hey, you know, we're not we're not supposed to be doing that right now. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or jazz hands. You know. Ooh, yeah. Jazz Ooh. hands is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're kind of having fun with the handshakes. <laughs> but, I, you know, are more drastic measures necessary? I mean, obviously, people don't want to shut down their office, but... You know, is that the thing to do? You know, I I think, honestly, that we're learning more every day. I think, you know, more and more things are closing. It's becoming more commonplace and accepted that this is a me- necessary um, precaution to take, a necessary remedy to p- preventing the spread. Um, so, honestly, if you can work remotely and you or and or you can afford to close the office, do it. A uh, good thing is that most lawyers <laughs> are you well. Good thing, maybe I don't know. Most lawyers are used to working all the time, <laughs> so they they have these work from home capabilities anyway, right? Mm-hmm. That they're gonna be able to be pretty mobile. Um, it might be hard for more entrenched in their ways traditional firms who only have brick and mortar and don't allow work from home ever. Um, so I understand why this might be a last resort. But right now we're all getting familiar with terms like social distancing, community spread. It's important we do what we can to mitigate the spread and, and you know keep our healthcare system functioning for those who are in greatest need. So if we can do our part, then um, then I think we should. We you know we're used to planning for the worst in our cases, and I think we should do the same uh, with our businesses as well. I think also it's an opportunity to try some things out. If you don't have a backup plan, you probably should, but regardless, you could come up with one pretty quickly and um, have that in place for anything that happens in the future should this be necessary. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I do think it's necessary. I mean, it may be difficult 
and it may be a tough transition for some firms, but I do think everybody should be preparing for this because it may very well happen, um, whether it's currently around you or not. You know, but I mean, of course, people are worried about their health, um, but they're also worried about their business. I mean, this this could be a really tough time to be a small business owner like mm-hmm. like these lawyers are. Um, you know, so I mean, I guess I'm I'm asking, you know, what are some of the obstacles that that law firms are going to face, and maybe what are some of the things that they can do to mitigate some of the the troubles that they're going to be facing? Well, I I mean, I would say obviously this is going to take a toll on business in general, small businesses um, probably more so than others. Um, So I think that's unfortunately inevitable. However, I think to the extent that you can keep business up and running, um, get creative. Uh, Telemedicine is a thing. There's no reason to tell a law to some extent can't be as well. Um, Clients will appreciate whatever connection they can maintain with you. They're going to have some new legal issues popping up. You want to make sure that you're there for them. There's a lot of things we can do with technology today, thankfully. I mean, it's hitting us at a time where I think we could we can still do what we can to eke out, um, you know, as much of the day-to-day routine as we can. Um, And again, hopefully there's going to be some relief for small business owners, including small law firms. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but there will be something. Um, Again, it's going to be work. It's just going to look different. Um, So it's an opportunity for us to think creatively about how we we address our client needs. Yeah, thanks, Allie. I I think that's that's really helpful because I know, like everybody, we're we're concerned. We're doing what we can, um, but I, I, there's a lot going on, and I think this is kind of on the forefront of everybody's minds. So, you know, you have some experience with with running your own firm, and and I think it's helpful to you know talk about ways that we can we can help mitigate some of the the risk that's going around. So, uh, I appreciate that. And I'll pass it back to you, Laura. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's important for people to be mindful right now of their own health as well as others. And, yeah, to be thinking about how this is going to affect their business, uh, which leads us to our main discussion today, which is on burnout. Uh, this is a, a topic that I personally think needs to be talked about more in the legal profession. Um, it's something that many, many lawyers encounter, but we don't always know what it looks like. Um, so we're going to talk about what burnout is, what it isn't, and what attorneys can do about it. So the term burnout gets thrown around a lot, especially in the legal field, but so far the problem is it hasn't been medically defined. So some people don't even really want to recognize that it's a problem, Um, but it is more than just job stress. It often stems from a mismatch between a person and some aspect of their job or even all aspects of their job. Um, It's also often a systemic problem and not just a sign that an individual can't hack it. Uh, What makes it hard for it to pin down, though, is that it can manifest in different people in different ways. There are physical symptoms, there's psychological symptoms, behavioral things, uh, but the big four that seem to come up all the time are exhaustion, cynicism, feeling ineffective in your job, and a shortened attention span. And, oh yeah. Right, of course. I was just yeah. Off, <laughs> yeah. All, all four, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and and that's that's one th- one thing that's important to point out here is that of course we all experience these things occasionally or even a good chunk of the time in our jobs, but for someone who's experiencing burnout, it's chronic. It's all the time. Well, and it makes it hard to get any work done, right? right. I mean, that's kind of the the main s- symptom is a, is a lower 
efficacy in your work and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, having a hard time caring about that, right? Because you're just, you're disillusioned, mm-hmm. you're, you're metaphorically beat up and, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, that, yeah, we all, we all get exhausted and cynical on occasion, but mm-hmm. this, you know, just like we all get sad, but depression is something else. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I have seen several experts who refer to this as a disease of disengagement. And I think that's a oh, really totally. good, yeah, it's a good yeah. way to put it, that it's it's this constant, yeah, both feeling overwhelmed, but also not exactly caring. Um, oh, yeah. It's a, it's, a really, yeah. it's a really interesting and specific feeling. Um, have, have any of us encountered this in, in our uh, <laughs> lives as attorneys? A lot of it sounds very familiar to me, even from when I was a law student. Um, you know, in my professional life, not so much. I've been very lucky that way. But a lot of this sounds very familiar to years two and three of law school. I would say I as a non-lawyer, I had a prior job where what Joe was talking about with the you, the loss of efficacy and the shortened attention span, where it just kind of, and when it set in, it was just impossible to get out from under. Mm-hmm. The, like the the only thing, like the only thing was like the possibility of of a change, and then also just like my total fear of a sort of like performance review type type scenario mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, I know I have to at least get this stuff done, but I'm not going to like it. I'm not even, I'm not going to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, it was just, I, it's, it's hard to describe the feeling now sure. that I'm not in that, but it was a truly miserable experience for a prolonged period of a couple months. Yeah, I think that's yeah the prolong the prolonging nature of it, just like oh, and that apathy, and it and it's mm-hmm. I think it goes goes counter to who a lot of us are too when we experience it. We're like yeah. this isn't right, like this is not at the level I'm used to operating, mm-hmm. and I can't seem to get there or know how to get there because it's just crushing right now. Yeah, I mm-hmm. couldn't make myself care. Yeah, 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 and I think in my experience, um, I really enjoyed a lot of aspects of practice, but I definitely had periods where I was like, just the pressure to maintain this level, this high level of performance in all aspects of my life, personal and Mm -hmm. professional, quite honestly, Um, making enough money, getting enough clients, doing the right things for your clients, running the business, you know, all the thousands of little things that are repetitive that you have to do, the emotional toll that it can take, um, Mm -hmm. kind of all can really burn you out and make you super cynical (laughs) yeah that seems to be the big one is yeah being yeah feeling really cynical and then also people tend to uh lash out when they have or when they're dealing with this um you know yeah anger and irritability are one of one of the most common symptoms um along with like forgetfulness getting sick a lot um that's one that i've started to see even with some people that i know in various types of practice where Mm -hmm. it just feels like they're sick all the time and it's Mm -hmm. almost like they're, you know, your body is turning on you. Um, can I, can I just note that curiously quiet is Joe who (laughs) must never have been burned out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I've certainly 
suffered periods of disillusionment and cynicism and burnout. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't extended, so I don't want to maximize it, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're all familiar with the symptoms, you know, and I think it's also important when we talk about burnout to distinguish it from other, you know, actual mental health diagnoses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, because burnout is a thing, you know, the WHO considers it legitimate and mm-hmm. it should be considered legitimate because it is it, it, its own thing mm-hmm. but it's also not a medical condition right um you know you could have anxiety generalized anxiety disorder you mm-hmm. could have major depressive disorder and these things can also contribute to burnout so absolutely yeah. I, th- I think it's just kind of you know the first part of any problem is defining it right i mm-hmm. mean we, we gotta approach it like we would a legal problem, we got to first define the issue. And so knowing when you're burned out and knowing when maybe it's something else, I mm-hmm. think is, is kind of the first step. So that's why I appreciate this conversation about symptoms and, what, and what's causing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's a question too for the individual if they're reaching their limit to ask, is this something other than burnout that I need to have checked out first? Mm-hmm. And then if, you know, if that isn't what's going on, maybe it is a burnout just with their, their daily grind at work. Mm-hmm. Or if you're lucky enough, like me, to already have a therapist, <laughs> it just you, you can you can talk about this too. Yeah, definitely. Yep, I mean, exactly. I I do believe that basically everyone can benefit from therapy of some kind. You know, it doesn't yep. have to be all the time. Um, but yeah, or really, just anybody to talk to. Yeah, absolutely, and that's yeah. a good way to both avoid burnout and also alleviate it as well. Um, I think one of the problems that a lot of people run into with this is that you know you're you're feeling ineffective you're probably seeing a drop in productivity and you also have this increased desire to be alone which is mm-hmm. completely counterproductive to solving the problem essentially you know mm-hmm. there you have to find some kind of connection to your work or whatever it is again in order for this to get any better yeah you know and we're talking about the severity of it and you know what I find is sometimes we hesitate to do things until it becomes a very significant problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you mentioned, Laura, I mean, anybody can use a therapist. It, it's not, you know, like you break your leg and you get it fixed. It's right. like, okay, well, it, it's almost like, you know, going for jogs on occasion. It's just kind of, it. it's a good way to to keep healthy, even if um, you're, you're perfectly healthy already, it's still beneficial to go to a therapist sometimes. You know, if you've mm-hmm. got a little bit of that cynicism and you've got a little bit of that, uh, you know, loss in productivity, you know, it's, it's good to think about it now and, and mm-hmm. what is driving that, you know, what's behind that, because then you can address it now before it gets to be too significant. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that could be one reason why this seems to be so prevalent in the legal profession is because we're often the culture of many legal jobs is to, you know, to tough it out or figure it out. And that needs to change if this is going to get any better, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I wish that leader, like business leaders, law firm, you know, managing partners, um, whoever's in charge, the boss basically is understanding that you're pushing employees especially lawyers, to their max is, is not helping their business, quite frankly. It's hurting their business. Turnover is a huge issue. Um, it's also h- harmful to work product, quite honestly. You know, like if you aren't putting in your best effort every day because you haven't had vacation in four years um, or any break at all, um, 
that's not doing anybody any favors, clients, the firm, anybody. So um, I really think it's a uh, effort on on behalf of the company itself, the firm, um, the lawyer themselves, um, everybody has to identify this, address it and, and put in measures to, to make sure that it doesn't happen. Are, are mental health days a thing in the legal profession? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought it up. <laughs> yes. So I was going to say, this is a very silly thing, but I started this when I was actually a law clerk. Um, one of my colleagues used to take her birthday off every year. And I was like, well, that seems, you know, like kind of a good idea. And mm-hmm. she's like, it wasn't for any purpose other than a mental health day. And obviously you can't always know that you're going to need one when it's your birthday, but it's a good yearly exercise to take a day where you do whatever it is that you need to do to check out, whether it's reading a book, going for a walk, getting a massage, casual shopping, like whatever it is that that you want to do, go for a long bike ride. Um, But it's a day just for you to make yourself a priority Mm -hmm. um, and an annual reminder to do so. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Do not make your employees feel bad for for taking a mental health day. Right. If you do that, you're a bad boss in any any field of work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Preach on, Andy. Yep. (laughs) No, I I think that's exactly right, though. Yeah, to take a few days um, for yourself, not necessarily, you know, because you had to clean the garage, but just because, you know, take some time for yourself because it's hard to get that time. And, you know, even big law firms, which are kind of have the reputation for, you know, work hard and then work harder, um, they're starting to recognize some of the problems that, Ali, you brought up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen some firms, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name, but they allow their associates sabbaticals. So they'll take, Mm -hmm. you know, like six months. uh, If they've been working at the firm for several years, they can get six months to pursue their own project. And Mm -hmm. that may be traveling, that may be finally spending time with their family. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that may be writing a book, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, but it's just some time so that, that they can kind of refocus and and not get lost in the billable hour. Mm-hmm. And I think our mobile society makes it even more common now. We have, we are able to do work pretty much from wherever we're at, mm-hmm. um, which is a benefit and a burden. Um, and so I think being, you know, checking out, leaving your cell phone off or doing whatever, is an important part of it too. Um, and I I think a lot about, and I ask myself this question is whether we, you know, whether I work to live or I, or I live to work. Um, and, and there's no right answer quite honestly. Um, some people really want to be working more and that works for them. But some people it's it's more of a means to enjoy something in their personal life. And so make sure that your, your balance is there, whatever your priorities. Yeah, and I did like, kind of what you said there where, you know, I was talking about sabbaticals, but it doesn't have to be something drastic. It can mm-hmm. be as much as turning off your phone one night so that you don't know if somebody emailed you at 8.30 p.m. and you can just, you know, relax, spend some time maybe outside. And, and it, you know, little things like that do actually add up. And, yep. you know, if, if you can work hard during the day and then get home and put it all behind you, that really makes a difference than if you're constantly reading email and you know that can 
end up lowering pro- productivity more than anything. You know, it's not even like if you're just answering emails all the time, um, you're not necessarily getting any of the work done that you need to anyway. So I, I really like those kind of small things that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think that, that small things are the best way to handle this because, I mean, yeah, a lot of people, whether people, whether someone is, you know, a litigator or they're a solo small practitioner, they're probably not going to be able to take, you know, an extended vacation to deal with this, but finding those small ways to take a break, um, and, or even just little ways to make life a little bit easier, you know, um, since there's such a big connection between healthy eating and a healthy mindset, you know, if you don't have time to grocery shop, have your groceries delivered or, you know, try one of these meal kit services or something, just little things to make your life a little bit easier. Um, and then, well, even Hallie in our cold open brought up, you know, throw on your Birkenstocks, do some meditation <laughs> if you need to. It, and for me, yeah. you know, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't always help everyone, you know, for me no. and I'm sure for a lot of people out there, um, the hardest part when it comes to sort of meditation or those sort of mindfulness exercises is that it, you can't, it's hard to shut out the jumbled thoughts that are rattling around in your head. So it can help to, in my experience, it can help to listen to something else that gives your mind something easy to focus on. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Now more than ever, it's important for all of us to look after our mental health. In the weeks since our recording session, the COVID-19 virus has changed how we work and how we live. And we want our colleagues to know we're here for you. Our thoughts are especially with those in New York, New Jersey, Washington, and California. We're doing everything we can to provide legal professionals with the information they need to keep their businesses up and running and to best help their clients during this difficult time. Visit the COVID-19 Resources Center on our law firm management page at practice.finelaw.com for more information on working remotely, helpful technology, and maintaining mental health. We'll continue to update that page in the coming weeks as the situation develops. Stay strong, stay home if you can, and stay tuned.